This is the Lions Unchained podcast, where the shackles of your mind are broken. It's not for the faint-hearted, but the chosen few who've embraced the call to leadership, dare to venture where others will not, and believe in God's supernatural power. Join Carl Joseph now for a life-changing word. Get ready to be unleashed into your destiny. Today we will continue our study of the book of Daniel, which documents God's wisdom of revealing the future in advance. Now remember, in Daniel chapter 2, we discussed King Nebuchadnezzar's image, comprising of different forms of metal, from gold at the head, representing Babylon, right down to the legs of iron, which is symbolic of Rome. By God's Spirit, the prophet Daniel was able to interpret this metallic image of a man and the world empires that were to transpire on the world stage in the years following Daniel's lifetime. This image revealed five world empires, four of which have already transpired in history, but there's soon coming a world empire, friend, I believe, consisting of ten toes, symbolic of ten coalition states, which will be the very platform from which the Antichrist will launch his new world order and ultimate world domination. Now, Daniel chapter 7 is a parallel passage that expounds upon this ten-nation-state confederacy by referencing ten horns upon a beast. This falls right in line with the ten toes of Nebuchadnezzar's image of man in Daniel chapter 2. Daniel divulges something interesting here, in that the Antichrist rises to world power, long after the church has been raptured, by the way, but he will topple three of these nations in his uprising. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Remember what I said before, Daniel chapter 2 reveals the future kingdoms of the earth from a genteel perspective, whereas Daniel chapter 7 reveals these same kingdoms from God's perspective. And that's the focus of our broadcast today, friend, Daniel chapter 7. Now let's read this chapter from the beginning. Verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Now this vision probably occurred around 553 BC, about 14 years before the Medo-Persian invasion of Babylon, which, as I said, is when Babylon fell in one night, and that was discussed in our previous broadcast. Let's continue with verse 3. And four great beasts came up from the sea, And whenever we hear the sea in scripture, it usually represents the world. These beasts were diverse from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man and a man's heart was given to it. Verse 5. And behold, another beast, a second, like to a bear, and it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth. And they said this unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I behold, lo, another, like a leopard, who had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. Now the beasts here represent various brutal world empires that cruelly ravage the people of God. That's why these empires are in the form of a beast, which is a lower being, exhibiting the savagery of an animal and particularly the harsh treatment of God's people. Now let's cover these beasts individually. The first beast was, of course, Babylon, symbolic of the lion, which had eagle's wings. If you look at the symbol of Babylon, a lion is without doubt the national symbol of this nation. This beast is a hybrid, having traits of both lion and eagle. 
The lion, of course, is the king of the animal kingdom, and the eagle being the head of the bird kingdom, reflective of Babylon, which was truly the head of all empires at the time. Notice this animal had its two wings plucked and a man's heart was given to it. The plucking of the wings references the insanity that King Nebuchadnezzar exhibited and the subsequent humbling he experienced at God's hand. Following this dark hour, the king was converted and his heart was changed, an apt description of a beast receiving a man's heart. King Nebuchadnezzar was savage in his early conquest of nations, but finally acknowledged Yahweh God as the one true God. Remember in Daniel 4.37, he finally came to his senses by stating that he extolled and honored the king of heaven. Anyway, on to the second beast, which is the bear, and symbolic of the Medo-Persian Empire, which conquered Babylon in 539 BC. A bear is powerful, but not as regal as a lion. Its power took Babylon swiftly, and the three ribs in its mouth are the three provinces of Babylon, Persia, and Media under its rule. When the scripture says this bear was raised up on one side, it likely refers to the uneven partnership of the Medes and Persians, because no doubt the Persians eventually gained supremacy over the Medes in this brief coalition. Then we have the third beast, being a leopard, which interestingly had four wings and four heads. A leopard, of course, is the fastest animal on earth, approaching sprint speeds of up to 50 miles an hour and some say as high as 70. God chose this swift animal to represent the Grecian Empire, spearheaded by Alexander the Great, the Macedonian, because of the rapid rise of its empire and ability to conquer other nations almost overnight. Knowing that Alexander and his armies conquered the known world in just 11 years, and his empire stretched from India through to North Africa and into Europe, such was the vast extent of his empire and the speed at which it arose, hence the leopard being an apt description of it. Now, when Alexander died in 323 BC, this 33-year-old, who was tutored by Aristotle until the age of 16, his vast empire was split among his four generals, represented by the four heads and four wings of this third beast. These generals were Cassander, who eventually ruled Alexander's home province of Macedonia and Greece. Then there was Lysimachus, who ruled Thrace and Bithynia. Then the third general would be Seleucus, who ruled Syria and the land to the east. And finally, Ptolemy, who ruled Egypt, Palestine, and Arabia. And just by the way, Thrace doesn't exist anymore. Thrace would be modern-day Bulgaria, Turkey, and Greece. Now let's continue reading from verse 7 and describing the fourth beast. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces, and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the ten horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. 
friend. This fourth beast is no doubt the Roman Empire, which appeared on the scene more ferocious than the previous empires. Rome commenced officially in about 31 BC with Octavius, who took the imperial name Augustus and became the first emperor. Its great iron teeth spoke of its unequaled military strength and its persecution of God's people is unrivaled. Remember, in the sacking of the temple in Jerusalem in 70 AD, Titus slaughtered about 1.1 million people, the majority of which were Jews in Israel's darkest hour. Rome never compromised, and its empire reigned for close to maybe a thousand years if we include both the Western and Eastern factions. It would crush or trample any nation underfoot by imposing its own laws and money within every nation, and its persecution of Christians also was unrivaled. Now, verse 23. Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down, and break it into pieces. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall arise after them, and he shall be diverse from the rest, and he shall subdue three kings. And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time. But the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it to the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Now, as you see, this beast had ten horns, and it shall devour the whole earth. This coincides with the interpretation that this ten-nation coalition of kings or confederations will be a new world order spanning the entire globe. The first four beasts have already come and gone, friend, in world history when the Roman Empire fell. But there are yet ten horns that will spring up in these latter days out of the fourth beast. And these ten horns will spring up from within the old region of the Roman Empire, from either the eastern or western factions, and eventually dominate the entire world. Now, according to Revelation 17, these ten kings or horns receive power alongside the Antichrist for a very short time during the tribulation period. The precise identity of these kings is not known to us, but the common interpretation is that these kings represent a coming new world order, like I said, or instead a ten-nation confederacy of Islamic nations. But regardless, the purpose of these coming ten horns is to give their power and authority over to the Antichrist. The ten horns of verse 24 will immediately surround Israel and threaten it in these last days. These ten horns are a major part of the reason why the Antichrist will become so powerful. They will literally empower him, yet he will simultaneously remove three of these kings in his uprising at the commencement of the tribulation period. The Antichrist will eventually utilize tracking technologies, satellite systems, banking systems, and everything else at the disposal of this world empire to wage war against the people of Israel and eventually Christ himself. Now, friend, let's get to the best part. Verse 9, I behold till the thrones were cast down and the Ancient of Days who is God the Father, did sit, whose garment was as white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. 
And here's what comes next, friend. Verse 10. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousands, thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were opened. I beheld then, because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake, I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. The books were open, friend. The book of life, the book of remembrance, all the other books mentioned in Scripture. The 10,000 times 10,000 that stood before God are us, friend, the countless saints of God who've been raptured and are witness from heaven to this beast system being slain by Christ himself when he returns at his second coming. And we're coming with him too. Amen. Verse 13, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Friend, this describes the millennial reign of Christ, and in verse 17 it sums it up nicely. These great beasts, which are four kings that shall arise out of the earth, but the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Friend, it's great to study the end times, but these matters should never trouble us. Jesus said in Luke 19:13, Occupy till I come. Our focus should be spreading the gospel, not building underground bunkers and storing up food. I'm all for being prepared and having extra provisions on hand for emergencies, certainly. But remember, the focus of Daniel's vision was really Judeo-centric. They mostly concern the Jewish people and those who will surround Jerusalem in the time of Jacob's trouble when the Church of Jesus Christ will be long gone. You've been listening to Carl Joseph and the Lions Unchained podcast. Carl is a minister who has witnessed God's miraculous power to save, heal, and deliver. Carl covers topics such as geopolitics, current affairs, cults, societal trends, and end-time events, all through a biblical lens. Every Monday, new podcasts are uploaded, so stay tuned for the next opportunity to roar into victory. Check out carljosephministries.com for exciting articles, teachings, and discussion points. See you next week, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button.